Herzlich Willkommen zum Modellansatz, der mathematische Podcast aus Karlsruhe mit Gudrun Täter und Sebastian Ritterbusch. Hello, in my office today I have Anne-Sophie Bonnet-Bendia. She is a participant of the conference Mathematics of Wave Phenomena, which takes place in our faculty building this week. I had the pleasure to see her lecture on um, transmission properties of perturbed waveguides uh, yesterday. It was really an impressive lecture, uh, very lively and with a lot of um, interesting um, tools presented. And so I asked her if she would find the time to talk to me about her research. And so um, I'm looking forward to a conversation um, about spectral theory and waveguides uh, and how they can be used in order to understand waveguides better. So um, what about um, spectral theory and waveguides? <laughs> yes, uh, uh, as, I, as I said in the introduction of my talk, I realized uh, very recently, in fact, that uh, really uh, uh, this part of uh, mathematics, spectral theory, is an essential tool to uh, study wave phenomena. Uh, maybe we can uh, just uh, give an example that everybody knows, which is, uh, for example, if you have uh, some water in your bathroom, you can, not in your bathroom, but in your... Bath tube? Yes, bath tube. You can excite some resonances at some particular frequencies. So these are the, what, what are called the eigenfrequencies of of the, this uh, system, and uh, uh, these particular frequencies, in fact, correspond to what are called in mathematics the eigenvalues of some uh, operators. So I don't know, but may maybe uh, uh, some of the people who will listen to this uh, podcast knows uh, the eigenvalues of a matrix, Uh, but uh, now we are concerned with uh, the same objects, mathematical objects, but in infinite dimension, and it is much more rich. And uh, uh, so these are some intrinsic quantities which can be studied, and uh, and the, uh, in fact, waves are always related to this uh, point of view. And for, for instance, uh, during my PhD, I was uh, in studying uh, optical fibers. An optical fiber is a spe specific waveguide because it can guide optical waves. And uh, to study the, uh, the form of the waves which can be guided by an optical fiber, we have to solve an eigenvalue problem. And it was my first uh, uh, incursion is in this topic. I learned at this time a lot uh, about spectral theory. And uh, in general, there are a lot of other applications of waveguides. For example, in uh, music instruments, all wind instruments, mm -hmm. uh, 
for, for example, a flute is a, is a pipe. It is a waveguide for acoustic waves. Uh, there are also electromagnetic waveguides, which are also pipes for electromagnetic waves. There are these optical waveguides, which are, which are supposed to guide optical waves. Uh, waveguides are very important in uh, many domains of uh, engineering sciences. And when you want to understand how the waves are propagating in the waveguide, you have to do some spectral theory. Uh, in fact, there is some uh, quantization. Mm -hmm. You have only specific waves that can propagate into, inside a, uh, a pipe. For example, for acoustic waves, it is, it is well known because it is a principle which will give the notes, in fact, uh, of the flute, for example. So, uh, Yes, you close the holes, and as many, close as, you, uh, as many holes as you close, you differ the height of the tone. Yeah. And you excite some resonances, mm. different resonances like that, which will produce different notes. And uh, so to understand well how the, the signal will propagate, a wave will propagate in, inside a waveguide, you have to to compute these things, and to compute these things, you have to do uh, spectral theory. So this is a first uh, general <laughs> introduction. When that, uh, during my talk yesterday, I, I wanted to, to show uh, something more, less, uh, more original, I think, which is to, to use a, s a similar approach but for this uh, phenomenon that you mentioned of transmission in a waveguide. Because uh, usually engineers can uh, uh, want to have a good transmission or the waveguide is supposed to guide waves, so we would like the wave to be as, uh, as good as possible uh, transmitted through the waveguide, even if there are some perturbations inside the waveguide which can produce reflections and uh, which can lead to a, a bad transmission. And so th this was uh, the, the, the configuration I, I was considering, a waveguide. So just uh, think about a, a pipe and you put something inside the pipe and you are speaking to your friend mm. <laughs> through the pipe and uh, due to the something, the perturbations, there, is, there will be in general a reflected wave, and only a part of the energy will be transmitted to your friend. And what is well known is that at some frequencies, it may occur that there is no reflection. No reflection is good. No reflection is good if it is uh, what we want. So yeah. It depends, but uh, it is what I want in, yeah. the, in this talk. And, uh, of course, we can try every frequency but it is very expensive uh, experimentally or numerically. And, and uh, so we, we propose an alternative which allows to directly find the frequencies for which the wave is well transmitted without reflection. It was the idea. And uh, so it is not 
so easy to think uh, how to set this problem mathematically. And here appears another idea, which is that uh, uh, we can use complex analysis, which is another field of uh, mathematics that I, I like very much. And uh, so we use an idea, which is a very a quite old idea. Classical. Classical okay. sounds nicer. <laughs> Classical, <laughs> okay. Which consists in complexifying mm -hmm. a coordinate. Coordinate, a priori, is a real number. It is not a complex number. And some people had the idea to, uh, to take a complex coordinate and uh, to extend the solution. And it is uh, the, some principle of analytic extension which allows that to extend the function to a complex coordinate so we take the axial coordinate in the in the tube and we complexify this coordinate so this is a classical idea and it is generally used for other purposes and here we adapt this idea to select this particular frequencies where the perturbation produces no reflection. Mm. Yeah, I would say at the first moment it sounds a bit um, uh, funny, let's say funny, um, to have something which you understand very well and then to make it uh, to something which where you don't really know what this should mean physically. But on the other hand, for example, if you think about what we teach our students in the first year about sine and cosine. So, of course, these functions are first functions just with a real argument. And you think you know enough about them uh, in the real world, so to say. And you can make sense physically of, for example, um, these as waves, um, transmitting sounds, things like that. But then when we um, allow them to be functions over the complex plane, yeah, then we see, oh, There is much more. So this is more like a shadow which is um, put on the real line from something which is much richer. And so um, in my head, um, if I think about it like that, I think um, on this compli complexification, there could be um, an insight into things which otherwise would uh, stay unseen. So we just, Exactly, uh, exactly. It is a case that we discover uh, some complex frequencies uh, that, uh, that are really unveiled by this process that are not visible a priori and that, contains, that contain interesting physical information. So what would be a meaning of a complex um, eigenvalue then? And so, uh, also in the sense of a physical yes, information, yeah. It is well known by, uh, by physicists that... Uh, uh, When you, ha you have a function which is a function of a real variable, like the frequency, for mm -hmm. example, when you plot this function, um, typically an energy which can be uh, trapped by... Uh, you have a, a, a ship on the sea, and when um, a wave is incoming on the ship, the ship will sometimes trap some energy for a long time sometimes no it depends on the on the on the shape of the ship and on the on the yeah. wave which is incoming and so you can plot the energy with, which is trapped as a function of the frequency and you will see some peaks of course the peaks can be dangerous because it means that at this frequency the the, the boat will be unstable and 
If you hope that the function that you are plotting has some extension in the complex plane, you are quite sure that this peak corresponds to some pole of the function which is, which is in the complex plane not far from the real axis. And it is exactly the meaning of these complex frequencies. They, they give an information that some quantity will have a peak when you plot it on the real axis where the, the physics is living. Yeah. But it, it tells us to understand some phenomena that you, you observe on the real axis for the physical real variable, but that we can, you cannot directly explain if you just stay on the real axis. You have to go in the complex plane to, to understand it. Mm. Uh, for me, this is a rich inner picture to imagine that there is a pole nearby in the complex plane. And of course, this pole, even if it's in a complex plane, it does something to my function. And, um, of course, since, it will uh, affect... Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. And uh, the physicists uh, speak about the uh, factor of quality, which is, uh, in fact, the imaginary part of this complex frequency. And the smallest the imaginary part, the highest is the impact, of course. Uh, Because it's nearest to the real axis. Um, in your lecture, you were also trying to find so-called trapped modes. So what are these and um, what is their meaning? In fact, a, tra a trapped mode is really an, eigen uh, an eigenfrequency which is on the real axis this time. Mm -hmm. So you have an infinite peak in your curve, the curve that I mentioned just before. And uh, it is a, a strange phenomenon because uh, in general, we have the idea that To have a resonance effect at a real frequency, we need to have a closed system where the energy is completely trapped and at some frequencies there are uh, a, like a, a string of a guitar. So there is the, the notes of the guitar correspond to the eigenfrequency of the string, which is a finite string. Mm -hmm. And We have the, the idea that now if we allow to the energy to escape, we cannot trap, we cannot have such uh, resonant effects, just uh, we can have some peaks, but not infinite peaks. But in waveguides, because of the quantization that I mentioned mm -hmm. before, we can, you, you imagine a waveguide with some a part which is... Uh, bigger with uh, some, I don't know how to say that, uh, like uh, a muffler in a, in a car, mm -hmm. you have the, the, the small and pipe wider, and you have yeah. the expansion chamber yeah. in the middle, then uh, because all the wave cannot propagate in a pipe, sometimes the chamber, even if it is open, in, pr yeah. in principle yeah. it is open, it, it can trap really a, a wave which cannot es escape at all. This is a very specific phenomenon in waveguide that you cannot have if you just uh, put some objects in the free space, the object cannot trap a wave. It can trap for some times, but not uh, definitely. Mm. And in a waveguide, you can have this phenomenon of trapped modes. And how uh, can you find uh, about trap modes? So at the, at the end, uh, it is exactly the same idea. So this uh, complexification, which uh, 
which uh, allows to have access to these uh, to these trap modes, like the all the all the complex resonances that I, I mentioned before. There is no no difference, and in fact, uh, the the method was precisely developed to compute trap modes, and we have find a. Uh, a new version of the method to compute other objects. Mm. Um, you talked also about perfectly matched layers. So what is this and how does it help? The perfectly matched layers are just... Is, is, in fact, it is just the, the, the denomination that is used in, uh, uh, by uh, numericians for the same complex scaling method. Mm. And it has been discovered, uh, the, the idea of perfectly matched layers, we say PML in our community, has been discovered by a French uh, guy. Uh, but he did, uh, for, for, for time domain uh, simulation of electromagnetic waves, and at this, uh, when he discovered this idea, he did not realize at all that it was related to this complex scaling method. But after, the, after him, people tried to understand what he did. And in simpler situations, finally, they realized that it was related to some other method developed by a pure mathematician in spectral theory. Mm -hmm. So perfectly matched layers. Uh, it is a way to bound a computational domain, which is infinite uh, no you ha you want to solve some wave problem in an unbounded domain with finite elements with a discretization method and you cannot use uh, a mesh on an infinite domain you have first to truncate the domain and you want uh, that uh, numerically everything happens as if the domain would be infinite, would be infinite. Mm. and there are a lot of methods which are used to do that. And one of the simplest and more efficient methods is the method of perfectly matched layers, which, which consists in putting uh, on the boundaries of the domain a layer where the waves are absorbed. So this is uh, not in the, in the denomination. In the denomination, there is perfectly matched And so the idea is that, in general, if you put a layer with an absorbing medium uh, on the boundary of, of your physical domain, you will obtain reflections because the, waves, the wave will see that there is a difference. Yeah. And the magic of PMS is that because they are perfectly matched, uh, the wave will goes inside the layer without any reflection, and then it is absorbed in the layer, and so you can truncate the domain. This is how we explain, uh, with physical explanation, the PMS, but the underlying idea is a complex, a complexification of the coordinate, which allows to avoid any reflection. Mm. That's kind of... Um A thing which I know also from fluid dynamics from me. So, for example, if you imagine that you have a well drilling um, to some reservoir below, uh, then um, in order to calculate anything or predict anything, the only really real measurement is uh, the flow through your pipe. 
and you don't really have um, any information about boundary values or the size of the reservoir below. And then the clever, in parentheses, um, uh, out, way out is to uh, imagine this reservoir to be infinitely large. And of course, then you need boundary values at infinity, but this is kind of easier to set because you say it, since it's kind of bounded, um, all what you do in the middle should also stay uh, bounded in what it's doing, and then you can prescribe what kind of decay you need in order to have that. But then you have an infinitely large dom domain, and you can't make numerical calculations for that. <laughs> and then you are back to this problem that you have to fix something at the boundary wherever you put it. It is exactly uh, yeah. the way we, we, we proceed also. Uh, except maybe that maybe for your case, the solution is decaying at infinity, while for waves... It's not necessary. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the difference. Really, if you just stop the domain, mm. you will produce reflections which, which will completely change, uh, everything. change the solution. Mm. So it's really a, a situation where it is very important to have a, a good treatment for the boundaries. Mm. Yeah, also because the boundaries are much more part of the problem than in my dissipative um, problem. Yeah, that's clear. So um, where do you want to go from here? So from the results you presented, which are published or which are almost published, what are the next steps? It is not so clear because we did what is <laughs> easy. <laughs> what is easy? Yeah. <laughs> And uh, but uh, uh, we have so of course a lot of open questions that maybe we will be able to to, to solve, and also we could try to uh, find similar approaches for other phenomena. Here the question was to find the frequencies for which there is a total transmission of the wave. But we can also uh, be interested by the frequencies where, on the contrary, there is no transmission, only reflection, for example. Or also, uh, when I, I, I have shown some uh, movies of uh, waves which were not reflected uh, yesterday, but I... I have pointed out the fact that uh, the transmission is, the, is perfect in some sense because all the energy is transmitted, but it is not perfect also because there is a phase shift. So if you want the perturbation, the object inside the tube to be really invisible, you would like to avoid this phase shift because if you have some measurements before the object and after the object, you will be able to detect the presence of the object due to this phase shift. So it would be interesting also to just find the frequencies for which there is no reflection, but also a perfect transmission without any phase shift. And uh, through with a similar approach, it is not so clear how to do that. So this, mm. this is a possible... Uh, Yeah, so if you think about uh, transmitting information, the phase shift doesn't really matter. So it, the same information comes in just with a little, a little bit later, kind of. Yeah, yeah. But you would, um, if you would be able to compare uh, when the signal goes in and when it goes out, then you see there Because is a difference. Because I am working a lot of this question of invisibility mm -hmm. also, 
It is very efficient our invisibility. Yeah, it's you know we also have an episode at the very beginning of our which is um, invisibility, and um, I was had the feeling that a lot of people are just attracted because of this funny name. So to learn something about invisibility, yeah, and it, so it But, attracts uh, also, our imagination. Also, more seriously, mm. uh, there are people here working on inverse problem, mm. and uh, also in my team, and uh, of course if. Uh, Some the scatterer, the obstacle is invisible, so inverse methods will fail. Work, yeah. And uh, for military applications, for example, uh, I have a PhD who is funded by military fundings because, of course, sometimes it is useful to be invisible. And uh, so, in a waveguide, it is not so clear, maybe a t tunnel? Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> And so then you have you may like to avoid even this phase shift. Mm -hmm. So um, from your lecture and also from our conversation, it's obvious that you like your topic topic very much and uh, yeah, enthusiastic about mathematics in general. Um, why did you decide to become a mathematician? So when was this uh, and why? In fact, it was absolutely not my <laughs> plan at the beginning. I was uh, studying uh, mathematics because I was good in mathematics. But uh, I wanted to enter an engineer school, maybe to become a journalist. And so <laughs> This sounds a little bit funny if you are German, you know, but I know the French system is like that. But uh, finally, I succeed in entering the École Normale Supérieure, which is in France more dedicated to academic uh, mm. activities. And uh, I discover research. And uh, I think that something very important was uh, the team where I did my PhD. Uh, for me, uh, the human uh, uh, aspects are more important than everything else and I like very much the team where I I begin my I began my research and I am still in the same team which is nowadays something very bad but I am I don't agree with that because I, now I am the, the the head of this team and this team is considered uh, by uh, Uh, my colleagues, but also by our visitors, uh, as an example of something, a place where it is really uh, very good to to work because we work together. We have really uh, uh, interactions, and uh, so uh, little by little, I I, I learn to to be more confident. Also, as a woman, as I have this problem. <laughs> And uh, uh, to to yes, I, now I like very much uh, my my job, uh, but for again for both the scientific aspects and uh, the human aspects. So I, I couldn't work alone. I like to work with other people, with my PhD students, with my colleagues. I I also I am teaching, of course, and. Uh, As I hope you, you have seen yesterday, I, I like to, to spend uh, time to see how to explain something. And yeah, so the teaching is always a pleasurable part, um, especially, you know, if you, of course, um, you have to teach also at an elementary level, but even then, at least in my experience, uh, you get kind of 
people you can um, form very easily to the standards you think are the standards of your field. So you can, uh, from the very beginning, show them that it's not just abstract tools, but they all have some meaning later on when they know everything of that. They can also apply it, things like that. Or if you are a different person who's not that, that applied, of course, you can also f show them how fascinating certain combinations of things are, yeah? because we are all different and it's nice that we are different. And then um, give, getting these young people, you can kind of form them a little bit in, in the spirit you see in mathematics. And I have the feeling also that I learned a lot when teaching yeah. at a low level, mm. because you sometimes... Uh, Uh, at a higher level, you suppose many things are known, and finally you you, you forget how where they come from. And uh, I like to to change the level sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then you see them grow through the system, and then you see them doing their masters. And if you um, see there is some potential, and you can keep them as PhD students, and you see them grow, being really getting kind of adult also in mathematics that's really nice so i hope that we still will attract phd students we like that but uh, it's not so easy because uh, with uh, new domains like uh, big data and so on uh, which give a lot of uh, opportunities of jobs and uh, uh so uh, I, I want to say that really uh, applied mathematics is a very nice uh, domain because we are doing mathematics, but uh, we learned through mathematics a lot of uh, physics of other domains that we really understand using mathematical tools. Sometimes uh, students which are, who are good in mathematics uh, say that they are not good in physics, and uh, probably... It was uh, I uh, when I was a student. I, I think that I didn't really understood uh, physics, and now I understand physics thanks to my uh, uh, knowledge in mathematics. And I can because it is mathematics and not experimental sciences. I can go from waves in the sea to optical waves to uh, musical instruments. So it is fantastic because during a career we can have a lot of different applications, a lot of different contacts. And mm -hmm. So students, you have to <laughs> come to applied math. Yeah. So the mathematical language is a frame in exactly. which a lot of different things make sense. I Absolutely. Like mm. So thank you very much that you took the time during the conference. Thank with you. With a busy schedule and a lot of interesting talks um, to have the podcast conversation with me. 